Thank you, I needed that. Okay, <laughs> I want to talk about cycling because it's super important to me. And I want to go talk about a tricycle with red glitter and the sweeping handlebar and the little twirly things on the handlebar. So bright right here. And uh, my tricycle had the extra wide thing on back so you could have a pal ride with you. Yeah. And my pal was Danny. Danny and I were always together. We were about four or five, and we'd trade off. It was my tricycle, so I got to wash it and things like that. But Danny and I took turns so you could be on the back and doing that. And we're playing one day, and I, I, for the life of me, cannot remember how this thing happened, but we were in the shed doing the show and tell. And we both drop our pants, and first we're looking at Danny. Huh. And then we're looking at me. And right at that moment, the door opens. My mom snatches me by the arm and says, what the fuck are you kids doing? (laughs) Danny, go home. Takes me into the house. I proceed to get my butt paddled all the way into the house. And my, uh, we had two families living together at the time. And my aunt says to me, what are you doing? Good girls don't do that. Jeez, my little five-year-old brain just went, what? I'm a girl? I thought it was like Danny. And you said, good girl? I'm not a good girl? What does that mean? It was a little bit much for me to understand. And they made it clear that we weren't going to talk about it. So, fast forward, I love that the gentleman shared sex education. Sixth grade, it was mandatory. I tried to go in the boys' line. They capture me and send me back in the female line. And I'm, you know, like that dog that doesn't want to get washed. My arms are against the wall. Please don't make me do this. Please don't make me do this. They made me do this. I was horrified. I'm going to have a period. My God. What I remember the most of that is this woman up at the front, and she had this, you know, very lovely voice, and she's like, I know you're all going to be very excited about the fact that you're going to grow up and blossom and be as beautiful as your mother's. (laughs) I got home from school. I went into my bedroom. I shut the door, and I sobbed. I sobbed. My mom came in, and she's like, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, my God. What? I just found out I'm going to turn into you. (laughs) I don't want boobs. I don't want boobs. My mom is very curvy. She's a full-figured woman. And the idea of that just horrified me. But again, that wasn't something that we talked about. So then you kind of start to figure out that uh, I needed some coping skills. And the coping skills that I chose were started with alcohol, very young. 
and I progressed all the way to all the super fun things, not the ones they have now, but uh, I was shooting heroin by 17. Um, and I got to do a tour in, uh, let's see, MCDC, we used to call that the Justice Center. Uh, then I got to do a tour in Oregon State Penitentiary. And all of that was because I was homeless. I got involved in prostitution, uh, violence, running drugs, all of that sort of thing. Because that was uh, my parents' answer to my deviation was to lock me out of the house when I was about 16. So fast forward. Um, as I was sitting in that prison cell trying to figure out, number one, how to get sober and live life differently, uh, I kind of had this inkling that I was going to need to do something about my gender. And when I got out and I started figuring out, like, being able to stay sober for a minute and then go to work and do all those sort of things, um, I thought maybe I could just change my name. So I tried that. I changed my name, and that lasted for about six months. But it was the first time that I had this feeling that, oh, my God, I could feel right. Um, I'm not growling at you. I feel like my brows are really heavy right here. I'm trying to protect my blue eyes from those really bright lights, so I'm not, I'm not angry. <laughs> Just want to be clear. Um, okay, so, so I decide that uh, probably I need to do something about this, and there is not, uh, at least that I knew of, any sort of internet or um, whatever. There were magazines, right? And uh, my friend Holly, who owned uh, It's My Pleasure, had a F to M magazine, and I read it, and I was freaked out. I'm like, oh, my God, there's people like me someplace. There's going to be this second F to M conference in Seattle. I have to go. It was the first time in my life. What was the power stance? <laughs> it was the first time in my life that I was in a room full of people that understood me, that were like me. It was overwhelming, and it changed my life. It gave me the courage to go forward. And by go forward, this is, uh, this is a little bit ago. This is like uh, 22 years ago. Um, at that time, trans people died on the operating tables, they were murdered and are still murdered uh, and unfortunately rarely solved uh, the murders. So it was scary. And to be trans in transition back then meant that you needed to be willing to give up everything. And what I want to say is I had been living in a body I could not deal with because you all interacted with me as a female and I could not make sense of that because I did not think like a female. So I have shared female experiences. I have been sexually abused. I've been demeaned at work. You know that comment, if you're a good girl, you'll get a raise. What is that? Um, 
And I've also got to experience the wonderful things of being a woman. I've had a child, which is really not something I'm usually typically, uh, it's not something I pull out when I'm at the office, just saying. <laughs> it's really hard to have a goatee and talk to people about having childbirth. They get weird, and they start looking at you weird. I also recognized one time when a uh, gal was talking about her, her menstrual cramps, and I, and I was like, oh, my God, I... Shut up, Devin. <laughs> so I want to say, you know, uh, privilege is out there. I, um, from living in a perceived female uh, body, watching the waiter come up to me and think they're dealing with a male until I opened my mouth in a super high voice, thank you God for dropping it, um, would open and they'd look at you like that and they'd turn to whoever was male. That's, what is that? As I started to transition, I noticed really weird things. Women would cross the street when they'd see me coming. It was heartbreaking. It's still heartbreaking. That's not my phone. It's not on. It's yours. I see you. <laughs> so I started to. I started a group. I started a group. I was lucky enough to transition with five guys at the time, and um, we clung together because uh, we were a minority within a minority, and there wasn't a lot of uh, things that. Uh, services and stuff to help us. So we started the very obnoxious cocksure. We were trying to claim a safe space for us when there were um, male to females that weren't, weren't as friendly and welcoming. And it was a social group where we practiced being male in public with our partners. It sounds really funny. You're like, well, Devin, if you thought you were male, why did you have to practice? Well, I was socialized female, right? So females don't normally walk into the male bathroom with a lot of confidence and stand at a urinal and go, now what? Right? So we had to practice. I know, you're all freaking out right now. <laughs> so there were five of us, um, and we would literally uh, either go bowling and try to practice being male, whatever that meant. <laughs> and uh, the other things that we would do is practice peeing with a, I love that you called it a prosthetic. I called them a disc, right? Because it was a coffee can lid. It fit in my pocket and in my hand. And um, we had to practice, and we would practice in the, in the bathtubs. Now, that's a sight, right? If you ever want to get a good giggle, think about five guys who have not transitioned yet in their boxers and their T-shirts standing in the bathtub Okay, Chris, you got it this time. You got it this time. Got it. Oh, shit. You did the thing where you pulled up too high, and it's, it's you're going to have to try again, right? I was lucky. I was lucky. My pee goes this way. Who knew that that was going to be a benefit for me? Um, so, so we started that to make the safe space for us here. Miscellaneous, et cetera, was a group for 14 to 20-year-old uh, trans and questioning youth. And the work that I did there uh, with my buddy Jason was 
teaching 14-year-olds how to be safe on the streets, teaching them how to find a place to sleep, helping them understand how to make decisions when they're not ready to make decisions, and then trying to help them have conversations with their parents, which is eventually why I stopped doing it. I wanted to start punching the parents. How do you have a kid? And tell them that you love them. But when they tell you they think they're a different gender, you want to kick them out of your houses. I couldn't do it anymore. So I went into corporation, which is much more clean, right? It's safer. Uh, but I started groups in corporations, and now I'm a, uh, an emotional intelligence teacher, trainer. Uh, and what I get to do is sit across from linemen and other very macho men and say things like, could you practice with me how you would tell your son you love him? I'll leave you with that. <laughs>